0: Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend
1: and fellow money muddler, Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. Hey, friend, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Caleb. Yeah, we're in a, a new studio here today sort of. Yeah, we
0: Hello, are. Hello camera.
1: <laughs> we're both in my
0: office whereas before we were we were recording in separate offices in the same building.
1: Yeah, it was kind of weird. We had a lot of lag issues. Hopefully, this should take care of some of that. Now I got used to that.
0: No, this seems weird because you're like three feet from you're my right face. You're right there. I
1: feel <laughs> like you're going to call me on my garbage here because you're right across <laughs> from me. I'll just smack your hand if you start saying something out of line. <laughs> cool. So, new microphones. Yeah. New commamera. Um, yeah. This should be fun. Yeah, we're we're gonna start putting our
0: faces out there in video form too, eventually. So Yeah. Um this is our first foray into that.
1: For those of you who have told us, hey, I've watched your podcasts. No you haven't, but soon you will. <laughs> now you'll be able to, <laughs> Chuck. Oh. Uh more than just chuck you know, my, so chuck many listens to the podcast actually i'm oh
0: i know you hooked him up you said that yes. you got him on there yep. so chuck this is a shout out to you i am really glad that you're listening
1: and you will be able to watch it soon and this is going to come out a few weeks after the fact but happy birthday chuck all right <laughs> <laughs> caleb what are we talking about today so we're going to uh, mix up some summery drinks today and we're going to talk about a few things that we need to take care of before retirement.
0: That's right. I, we've got a good retirement kind of drink, I think, set up that goes along with retirement. Uh, I'm
1: I'm excited. Yeah, it's retirement rum time. <laughs> retirement rum time. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the rum time retirement topic. I, I think that's a good mix because uh, we're sipping on mojitos today. It's mojitos, everyone. I've never had a mojito. I could see sipping on these during retirement. Uh, well, I think so. But- I, you don't have to wait till retirement. Don't get me wrong. Well, we're doing it now, and right. we're not
0: retired. Not yet. Uh, but yeah, the mojito is, I have never had one either.
1: We um, are, we're breaking through, man. The last few episodes, new drinks that we'd never tried before. I know. So.
0: And you know, we had done rum a disservice. We haven't talked about rum very much yet.
1: H- I don't know how this happened, but we did two <laughs> vodka episodes in a row. And yeah. we don't even like vodka. I know. <laughs> As an update, by the way, to the Bloody Mary episode, I substituted vodka with gin mm-hmm. to make it a red snapper. Was much better. better. Uh, of course. It much would better. Be, it would be a lot better. Absolutely. Yeah. We uh,
0: Vodka's just, it's... I haven't found a place for it in my heart yet.
1: No. No. I mean, you got to really bury it. <laughs> <laughs> Cover it up with with more delicious Anything. things like tomato juice. And hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. And Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce.
0: Wor, Worcestershire. Wor, Worcestershire. Wor, Worcestershire. <laughs> Wor, Worcestershire.
1: So cool. <laughs> Mojitos. Why don't we jump into the drink first and then we'll get into the heavy hitting finance topic of the day. Uh, the drink, as we said before, was the mojito or the mojito, right?
0: It's it's Mojito. It's Mojito. Let's not call it the Mojito.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The recipe that we used comes from Liquor.com. Just went with the first thing that came up. We just Googled (laughs) Mojito, and that was the first recipe. Yeah, it's a a
0: serviceable recipe,
1: though. Yeah, uh, well, I like it. And here's how we made it. If you're following along at home, if you're mixing up some drinks, grab yourself three mint leaves. If you have a mint plant around the office, it's really helpful. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A half an ounce of simple syrup, two ounces of white rum, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice freshly squeezed, some club soda to top it off, and then garnish that with a mint sprig and lime wheel. So the steps we have here is to lightly muddle the mint in with the simple syrup and a shaker, add the rum, lime juice, and ice, give it a brief shake just a brief shake just don't go crazy with you me. celebrated a little bit at first
0: i i was excited to shake when we get a drink that is shaken cuz most of ours are apparently really classy and they're all stirred yeah when i get one that's shaken i like to aggressively shake the shaker and get a workout in
1: yeah we don't need to do that with this one no, this is a relaxed retired summer drink there go. yes it's it's rum retirement. rum retirement. that's <laughs> i can't imagine that'll stick
0: uh, <laughs> i'm trying man. retirement rum time is fine
1: so after you've lightly shaken you're gonna strain that into a highball glass over some fresh ice top it off with some club soda garnish that with a mint sprig and lime wheel and boy you got yourself a mojito
0: it is a delicious summery relaxing drink that I was nervous about the mint and the citrus because we did the whiskey smash episode when we, we were talking about what to do with all your cash and I did not like it. It was like having orange juice after brushing your teeth and I hate that taste. This, I did not get that. I got refreshing, yeah, sweet,
1: the The rum pairs awesome with lime, go figure. Right, uh, That's really good. Kind of like a daiquiri, the rum and yeah, the lime. Yeah. This reminds me a lot of a gin and tonic. Without the pininess.
0: It's replaced with mint.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, you talked about the whiskey smash that we tried, and I agree with you. It was kind of orange juice after toothpaste kind of <laughs> a taste. And I thought, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe mint and bourbon doesn't go well together. And then I thought, wait a minute. I, I love mint juleps. Yeah. So yeah. we almost have a mint and julep here, but replaced with rum. It's like, isn't it kind of a hybrid
0: between a mint julep and a daiquiri? I would say so. Well,
1: I like both of those. I and do. too. I like this. It's pretty good. I, I I really enjoyed it. Um Jason, the history on the mojito. I've got some history. I don't know if you um I looked have a anything little, up I too. I have a very little dad. I, I just have a little tiny bit here, but I thought it was pretty interesting. So the mojito, the origins, uh, most of these drinks that we talk about on the show go back to, you know, maybe the late 1800s or oh. prohibition time. Well, this one goes way way back. So the origins of this classic drink um and I got this from liquor.com also. <laughs> spent a lot of time researching. (laughs) It can be traced back to Cuba, the 16th century. The cocktail uh, that this originated from was uh, referred to as the El Draque, named for Sir Francis Drake, an English sea captain and explorer who visited Havana in the year 1586. El Draque reminds me of El Duque. My dad was a big Yankees fan, and there was a Cuban pitcher Cuban-born pitch, uh, pitcher who came over to the states and pitched for the Yankees, and he was called. Uh, his name was Orlando Hernandez, but they called him El Duque.
0: Well, I, I didn't think of him. I, you know, video game players out there will be aware of the Uncharted series. Drake's Fortune. Oh, okay. uh, the main protagonist of the video game is supposedly a descendant from from uh, El Drake. From El Drake. Oh. Yeah.
1: I don't play enough video games.
0: Absolutely, no, you do not.
1: Never will. (laughs) No, I don't see uh, time for that opening up anytime soon. Maybe once
0: you reach your retirement run time, you'll be able to play more video games.
1: That's true. And after this episode, we might find ways to get there earlier. So. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So the Eldrake was composed of a word that I'm not going to attempt, but uh, in parentheses, a cane spirit, a precursor to rum, lime, mint, and sugar. So what we're talking about here is basically the, the same thing. We use rum today. Yeah. And as a lot of these drinks go, these were consumed for medicinal purposes.
0: Absolutely. This, you got to take your medicine.
1: Yeah. If this is medicine, call the doctor. I'm sick. So the first mojito recipe actually appeared in a cocktail book in 1932, an edition of Sloppy Joe's Bar Cocktail Manual. What? Sloppy Joe's. Okay. 1932, so after Prohibition. And this was a book from the famed Havana institution, Sloppy Joe's Bar. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I say famed, I'm going to take Liquor.com's word for that because I'd never heard of it. Almost all of the ingredients in a mojito are indigenous to Cuba, which is really cool. So rum, Cuba's known for making rum, Yeah. Uh, limes, mint, and sugar, another thing that they're they're well known for. Yeah. So they're sugar cane. You know, the other thing I'll throw in here, because there's always got to be a little bit of controversy Absolutely. with these. Gotta be. The mojito is said to have been a favorite of famous author Ernest Hemingway. Who, according to local lore, partook of them regularly at the Havana Bar, another name that I'm not going to attempt. <laughs> <laughs> so, a little bit of history for you there. I thought it was cool that it went way back to the 16th century. This is probably the earliest out of the cocktails then that we've reviewed.
0: Uh, yeah, so far I think. I, well, you could make a no, it, yeah. The I mean, old fashioned is early 1800s. That was the that's as far back as we got was maybe the 1700s with talking about a cocktail. But it, it makes sense that you've got limes, you've got sugar, you've got rum, you you make this mojito. You put some booze in a glass, you put some sweet in a glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. I, I think uh, I love this drink. I love the history. So I read David Wondrich and he said the Hemingway thing is just a bunch of bunk. There, <laughs> there's no way. Hemingway drank daiquiris. He wrote about daiquiris all the time and never once in his writing. Mentioned the mojito.
1: Yeah, well, Hemingway, he's got some drinks named for him, too. Some yeah. daiquiri variations. I, here's the deal. I'm going to err on the side of, I'm pretty sure Ernest Hemingway <laughs> just liked alcohol. So <laughs> if it had booze in it, he was partaking.
0: Yeah, he was probably okay with it.
1: Uh, I, he might be more known for his alcoholism than his writing, perhaps.
0: That's true. I know we. this is not a uh,
1: literary <laughs> podcast, but we've talked about Hemingway quite a bit. We have talked about him a Something lot. Something
0: about authors drives them to drink.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, we have a pretty cool book around here called Drink Like an Author. A lot of our favorite authors shared recipes of their favorite drinks, and it's pretty interesting (laughs) stuff. Some of these guys, heavy duty, not ether. What's the? Chloroform. Chloroform and aspirin. Okay. That's not a cocktail. That's not a cocktail, but it'll mess you up, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) So this, uh, if you had a bunch of them, and I could see having a bunch of them on a hot summer day, uh, probably would do the trick, too i like this i would I, I i think i'm gonna this is probably in the rotation now i think it's great the the rum and the lime really just
0: transports you to a beach paradise like it just just feels right
1: yeah i like it so we have five steps here to make this uh drink five steps to a beach paradise we're going to talk <laughs> about five things you need to do before retirement yes is that a good transition no. No. Uh, okay. No. It was choppy. I All right. Really, well, you could have done. A lot. I, I was reaching. <laughs> Moving on. I am really excited to talk about that. Me too.
0: So we are going to be talking about the five things that you must do before retiring.
1: Yeah, there's probably more than five things. <laughs> we're going to go real high level and say these are definitely five priorities you want to knock out or have a really good handle on before you flip the switch.
0: Yeah, even though the list is not exhaustive, like you said, this these are some good things that we thought were worthy of
1: being in the top five. Yeah, you want me to go ahead and list them off and then we'll we'll dive in?
0: Yeah, I think that's okay. No no need to build suspense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Why? <laughs> what are we building up to? First of all, you have to decide what you're going to do when you retire. This sounds obvious, but it's not, actually. <laughs> uh, a lot of people don't get past this step. The second thing that we're going to talk about is paying off debt. The third item is going to be budgeting and planning for income. The fourth, health care. And the fifth and final is estate planning. So with all that being said, all being said, Jason, deciding what you're going to do with your time in retirement is probably the most important thing to figure out. Would you agree?
0: I think so. This is where a lot of our experience helping people retire, I think, comes in. Because I think we can give a, a pretty unique perspective having helped so many folks mm-hmm. make that transition from working at a job they may ne- not necessarily have loved Uh, Into doing stuff that they wanted to do. And we've seen a wide spectrum of reactions to that. Yeah. But it is really, really important. What are you retiring to? What's the reason that you don't want to be tied to that job anymore? What are you going to do with your time?
1: What's your what's the meaning of life? Like it really, it's really, it deep. really is. This is where I think the the challenge, and we'll get into bullet points and action items later. But I, I think the challenge here really is to recalibrate your thoughts on retirement because in the time that you and I have been in this business, I think we've both seen. People's ideas of retirement changing drastically from when we first started doing this to where they're at today, and we've got stats and things like that to go along with this. But you know, we can't overemphasize this enough. You got to know what you're retiring from and what you're retiring to. When I talk about recalibrating our thoughts on retirement, retirement isn't a death sentence. Retirement probably shouldn't be. You know, retiring to the recliner. You know, you got to have some purpose. Rum time reclinerment. I
0: gotta stop with the
1: word. That's play. a I'm great not, name for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just off, <laughs> but I, I think it's it. It sounds very obvious, wouldn't you agree? Let's talk about that for just a second. When you started in this business, Jason, what did most people say when they when they were talking about retirement? What were their plans for retirement?
0: Not to go to work anymore. Okay, that, that, like they they didn't want to have to go to work. They wanted to sleep in. Golf, golf, golf is this stereotypical Fishing. thing you do. You, you're going to spend a bunch of time on the on the. You see all the pictures that all the retirement planning companies put out. Yeah. They're always a dude and his wife, and they got sunglasses and flowy clothes, and they're maybe on a beach somewhere, drinking mojitos, drinking mojitos, and they got their sailboat ready, <laughs> maybe.
1: And you know, I don't, I haven't actually helped any people that have done that. So common things that I heard were golf. Uh, okay, so how much are you going to really golf? 40 hours a week. <laughs> My grandpa <laughs> said, fishing, I'm going fishing. And we would always say, well, yeah, but what else? And he said, no fishing. And that's really pretty much what he did until he died. <laughs> but he's he's the exception to the rule. We hear things like travel. Mm-hmm. How much can you really travel though? There are ways to uh, scratch the itch and and take care of things like traveling and golfing and fishing and sailing and all those fun things. There's some ways that you can... Um, you know, when we talk about working in retirement, um, there are ways that you can you, you can kind of kill two birds with one stone, too. So I think that when I started in this business, the idea was you shut down completely and you just pursue <laughs> your hobbies. Ten years after the fact or however long it's been, almost nobody is coming to me with that mentality.
0: I think it has shifted a lot. And, and you know, you can learn a lot probably looking at the history of retirement with the Industrial Revolution happening. And yeah. I, I know you wrote about that. And, and I think I did too a while ago. Like it's it's a fairly new concept in the in human history. Like mm-hmm. we've got thousands and thousands of years of recorded history. And just in the last 150 years, yeah, people have been retired.
1: mid-1800s, Otto von Bismarck kind of established the idea. and, and you, you, you mentioned industrial revolution, the idea of retirement was you had a workforce that was worked to the bone. At that point in time, if you made it to 60, you were deemed useless, honestly, in the yeah. workforce. And the idea there was your government, the society that you contributed to, owed you some kind of a pension to get you through your last couple of years, yeah, when we talk to somebody who's retiring now, we're talking to someone who you know, maybe they put in thirty years, but maybe they've been in sales or they've they've been in an office or an accountant or something like that, and they're they're planning the next thirty years of retirement, a, a little bit different scenario, yeah,
0: and not and not just because of life expectancies and quality of work improving so much, but the the people that just the ones that I think you were referencing over the last ten years, a big shift has kind of taken place of. Of changing from a retirement mindset to a financial independence mindset. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to. I'm not dependent on someone else for my income, my primary income. And now I'm. I'm going to think about what I want to do because, like you said, we we got 30 years to plan for now. After your your usefulness to the industrial society is over with now.
1: That's a really good point because I looked at some of the statistics, some some studies and some different articles out there. So according to Forbes.com, this is a pretty recent article, they polled and surveyed a bunch of people who were approaching retirement within the next five to 10 years. 46% of people planned to work after retirement. Mm. So they were going to hang it up and, and quit their day job. But they planned on doing some form of work, still generating some income outside of that. So out of that 46% that said that they were going to continue to work, 18% said that they would planned on working past the age of 70. 12% said that they plan to never stop. As long as they can mm-hmm. go, they're going to work and be productive. That idea of you know the industrial revolution and having a workforce that is absolutely worn out and useless by age 60, if you look at our workforce today, the 60 and up crowd, the argument could be made that they're one of the most valuable subsets of our, our working class, honestly. And when we talk about these folks who are going to continue to work, they may be doing some high level things like consulting and things of right. that nature. What's interesting about this study is... You know, I think that maybe not so optimistic person might say, well, yeah, people are planning on re- retiring later or working in retirement because they have to to make ends meet. Right. Most of these people that made these decisions said that their their decision to continue working was more about flexibility and maintaining a standard of living, not that they were trying to meet expenses that were, were, that were needing to be met. It was about continuing that quality of life that they've gotten used to
0: interesting i have a i have a study from the bureau of labor S- statistics that, that goes right along with a lot of that that i that i was referencing and it really it, it falls right in with the stuff that you were saying uh, among 65 to 74 year olds Labor force participation is predicted to hit 32% by 2022, which is 20% up from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's happening more and more, and it is lifespan. Above 75-year-olds and up, the rate's expected to jump 5% to 11%, so jumping 6%. Uh, But uh, what's funny is Transamerica did a study off of this study. And they said 55% of all baby boomers plan to or already are working past age 55 and have no plans to retire. So even more Mm -hmm. that are not going to ever retire. But it says 81% of these, these, so 81% of the 55%. They cite financial reasons as the need uh, for continuing to work,
1: but that could be it. Could be all sorts. It could of be the need reasons to reasons. continue their lifestyle, the standard and I, of living. I've had clients in the past who retired, tried the golf thing for a year, and thought, "Man, I can't sit still. I I can only golf so much. I'm certainly not going to sit in the recliner and waste away." And their company, you know, if they put in thirty years at a company and they were well respected, a lot of times they're they're picking up the phone saying, "Hey." You know how you feel and how's retirement going? Do you want to do something for us? do you want to do you want to consult? You know, I had a client who retired, and a year after the fact, his company called him back and said, "Would you please do some light consulting work for us?" And one of the things he wanted to do aside from golf was to travel the world. And they said, "Well, this is great. We're a global conglomerate, and we would love you to consult and and go all over the place. He would spend a day in meetings and the rest of his week somewhere else across the globe take yeah. his wife and guess what all the traveling all the stuff that he'd budgeted when he'd saved for retirement for travel expense and all that was taken care of and he was making just as much if not more money from consulting yeah uh, and his social security and pension when it was all said and done he was making more money and the expenses were lower because of the flexibility that that job offered
0: yeah what a way to engineer what you want to do yeah because he didn't he didn't want to stop Doing anything like stop producing value,
1: and it's he obviously still had a lot to to give. Oh, for sure. I mean, he he was a very valuable resource. Had thirty to thirty-five years of knowledge in that industry, and his brain was sharp. He was yeah, absolutely useful. You know, by no means worn out and used up.
0: Yeah, it's not really about that so much as deciding what is what your values are and what's important to you, and then that can drive your decision. Like. I don't know this this the guy that you're talking about in particular so this might not apply but uh, for example what if what if he was in his 40s and realized he could have done that oh like that now we don't even think about it so now he's 40 and maybe he's like hey I can I can start living my retirement quotation mm-hmm. marks
1: right now why don't I when just do when you it can now? really get out there and enjoy those yeah. things that you want to do yeah that just really informs your
0: decision for Retiring, I think that's why we have this first. It's it's what are you retiring to? Because if it's if, if your plans are like huge, like you really want to travel, you really want to spend a lot, you need a lot of income. Well, that's going to determine how much you need to save now, and how long and how hard you need to work now, and and that sort of thing. But I just I think that it's it's so important because a lot of people and our statistics will show yeah. a lot of folks approach retirement with like zero
1: plan at all. They just want to be done and. I would tell you that why this is such an important step is it, you. There's got to be some purpose behind your retirement because for those folks who are really just looking to get out, they're they just they're done punching the clock. They just want to be done. The statistics are not in your favor if you don't have something to move on to. Mm -hmm. I was looking at uh, another uh, website called elderguru.com, and they said that for folks who retire early, and and when we talk to folks about retirement, everybody wants to retire early. Who doesn't? I I would like to, I think. But for those who retire at age 55, they have an 89, and I don't know where they pulled all these statistics, but I think this is interesting. And I found other stuff that it, it strengthened this argument. But they had an 89% higher uh, mortality rate before the age of 65. If they retired at 55, they were 89% more likely to pass away by age 65 than someone who is planning on working till 65. Weird. So when you think about, so General Motors was used to be a really big employer in our area. Yeah. My grandpa, whenever he uh, graduated from high school, he wanted to farm. And a lot of his friends ended up going to General Motors and, uh, you know, he tells me all the time, a lot of those guys told me, Marvin, you're crazy. Why would you want to work so hard? This is a pretty good job. It's got great benefits. You can work 25, 30 years and out full pension. You're on easy street. You're you're retired in your early 50s, mid 50s. And, you know, the world is your oyster. Well, they never a lot of his friends from high school never established any real purpose. And he said, you know what happened to all those folks? And grandpa's 84 now. Uh, He said they've been gone for years because they retired to the recliner. They had no purpose, no reason for getting up and doing anything. Their mind wasted away. Their bodies wasted away. So having a purpose is really, really important. We've spent a lot of time on this point. uh, But it, it really is the first thing that you absolutely have to have nailed down before you you know, before you file that paperwork and you push the button to retire.
0: Yeah, you, you and I like to think about things deeply,
1: I think. Uh, we like to think that we think about <laughs> things deeply. Well, we like to try to think <laughs> about things deeply. How about that? <laughs> sure. Uh,
0: but uh, it really is like a question of the meaning of life. It's that deep when yeah. it comes down to retiring, and why are you working so hard? What are you working for? What are the things that you are trying to accomplish? And you gotta, you gotta apply that to your years after your primary career are done as well. And yeah, I think I th- those are those are some really interesting points that you brought up. Some really interesting
1: statistics. We've had a lot of discussions about retirement over the years, and I, I know, like you said, you know, we like to think about the meaning of life and why do we do everything that we do, and. Sometimes I struggle with the idea of retirement in the first place.
0: Oh, absolutely. R.C. Sproul wrote extensively yeah. on retirement. I think he had a book on it, but he was he uh, he kind of opened my eyes, being like just being like it's wrong. Like you, what's retirement? Why would you stop doing things? Like mm-hmm. why would you stop contributing to the world that you live in? And if that's your idea of retirement, you got, you're got you going to have a hard time. You're probably going to end up like one of those guys that just dies three years after they stop working.
1: Yeah, if you don't have purpose for the 25, 30, 35 years that you're punching the clock, you're probably not going to have purpose in retirement. And that's the statistics don't work out in your favor. Uh, another number I had here was men who retire at 62, which is when you can start taking Social Security. From the get go, have a twenty percent higher mortality rate than than people that wait till full retirement age. You know, I, I think what those numbers highlight to me is people that want to be done just to be done. Like you said a couple of times, you know, if you don't know what you're retiring to, that doesn't mean that if if you hate your job, that you have to keep doing oh, that, yeah, no. or you have to do it part time. But you, you've got to have something driving you. Do you have anything? I, I just anecdotally, uh,
0: clients. How many clients have we helped that? they retire and they're not, they're retiring to something. And Mm -hmm. usually with our clients, it's spending a lot more time with family, grandkids, taking trips with those kids, maybe pursuing a passion project Mm -hmm. or career. Uh, But how many of those people have said to you, I don't know how I had time to work before. Oh,
1: almost all of them. It's it's almost a hundred percent of them. I, I, I always hear I'm busier in retirement than I ever was when I was working. And I remember thinking, we're always so busy. Yeah. But you know, I, I think that those same folks that we're thinking of are the ones who are maybe they're working part time, but they're working for a charitable organization. Yeah, they're volunteering. They're volunteering. Yeah. yeah. And it's not about the paycheck necessarily, but it's about the purpose behind it. So yeah. let's say that you have that purpose figured out. You're gonna move on to step two here. All right. What are the things that could really hold you up? And, and, you know, let's say you've got that purpose. You want to, you want to be done punching the clock. Mm-hmm. You know what you want to do. You want to volunteer. You want to spend time with the grandkids. You want to do this, that, or the other. But you've got uh, something that's just not going to allow you to do that. The next section would be paying off debt. Jason, this is a huge reason for why a lot of people who could retire early or move on to a different phase in life early, why they don't.
0: Yeah, debt is the number one hindrance to retiring. So that's why we've got it as the number one thing to clear off of your list before you can really think about having that level of independence. Just think about it. And practically, if you've got car payments and credit card payments and Mm -hmm. personal loan payments and a mortgage and a home equity line of credit, all these payments... Your income in retirement needs to be substantially larger than if you didn't have those payments. So it stands to reason that you need to have more saved, which means usually that you need to work more or work longer. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've, in, you've increased your risk, so you, you need to have more money to balance that out. Debt is the number one hurdle to get over before you can retire.
1: I agree. And if any of my clients are listening who I've helped you know, get up to and through retirement, um it's the first thing that I talk about mm-hmm. is let's take a look at our debt situation. We don't want to spend our retirement servicing a bunch of debt. And honestly, my job as a financial advisor as a planner as someone who's tasked with generating an income stream for folks, you know, if if we're diligent about paying down debt, I, my job is a whole heck of a lot easier if I don't have a bunch of payments that I have to work around. Quite simply this, if you have your nest egg built up, And I tell you, okay, here's what we can safely generate an income. This is the number that we're going to shoot for as far as uh, budgeting. And you don't have a bunch of debt that you're worried about. You can live within your means. You can budget. You can make those numbers work if you have a bunch of debt when you retire. And the fact that you have a bunch of debt means you're more likely to accumulate more debt as well in retirement. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people don't think about accumulating debt in retirement. You're in a world of hurt. And uh, this study that I I looked at um, from, I think, clever.com it's actually a mortgage lending website, uh, but they put together a pretty interesting report called the State of Retirement Finances. This is the 2021 edition. 2020 was the year of COVID Mm -hmm. and stimulus payments. We know a lot of people who got uh, stimulus checks and they just padded their bank account or maybe they paid off debt. But a lot of people who had an influx of cash, 2020 from a financial perspective was a good year for a lot of folks.
0: Yeah. For the individual. Yeah.
1: This was shocking to me, Jason. According to this report, the average retiree, so already retired in 2020 when the COVID stuff hit and the stimulus checks went out, the average retiree had about $10,000 in consumer debt before the crisis. Mm -hmm. They've doubled their debt on average in a year's time. So the average uh, from one report to the next has gone to an average of $20,000 in non mortgage debt. Now, When you say, you know, when we say debt, we think of credit cards and um, car payments and things like that. So no surprise here. 47% of that went to medical bills. Ah, okay. So no shocker there. 43% went to groceries. So swiping the credit card for groceries, um, 37% to credit cards. Um, I kind of think that that number really could cover a bunch of these here, but um, people went into debt for groceries. Uh, added to their credit card balances, went into debt for mortgage or to pay rent. 29% uh, went into uh, more debt or added debt to maintain their insurance payments. So you think about those life insurance payments and things like that. Maybe their premiums went up. They've got those old whole life policies. That's a different episode. (laughs) 19% went to car payments. 11% went to student loans. This is people who were retired in 2020. Yeah. So I was completely floored by that, that the average retiree had essentially doubled their debt load in yeah. the year 2020. Now, that's mind-boggling. I don't think that my clients represent that uh, that study necessarily. I don't think yours do either. But yeah, that's, that's really... I mean, if we're talking about getting rid of debt in retirement, these are folks who added to their debt in retirement.
0: Yeah, that kind of floors me. And of course, they're not our clients. That's selection bias. Those people have no need of a financial advisor they their paycheck to paycheck in retirement as well
1: yeah um
0: yeah that is alarming and I, you know um, on my research i didn't find anything different just scary stats about debt mm-hmm. in retirement and so maybe we can use this to scare you out there if you're you're in debt in retirement you would like to be financially independent in the next five or ten years um, to, to really to get a hold of your debt um, because the stuff that I looked up just echoes the same things that you're saying, Caleb. This study from con- a congressional research service, uh, it found that the percentage of elderly households, so households led by people 65 and older with any type of debt increased from 38% from 1989 to 61% in 2016. Wow. The amount owed jumped about $31,000 in 2016 dollars and, and then those those people consistently report a uh, lower quality of life mm-hmm. than than folks that own their homes outright or just have have no debt at all uh, but the the idea of carrying debt into retirement uh, as a whole has increased big time we're just a lot more okay with it now than yeah. than even in the 80s when the credit card first like really got really really popular um the percentage of households led by someone age 65 to 74 who has credit card debt increased 241% in 2019 from 20% in 89.
1: These are scary numbers. It's huge. Like that's that's almost half. Yeah, I, I, this is this just reiterates the point when we get on this podcast and we rail about debt and wiping out debt especially before retirement because folks the the fact of the matter is most of the time income is not going to be better in retirement. I, again, from a financial planning standpoint, from an income producing standpoint, if we don't have debt to work around Nine times out of ten, we can make this work. But the idea of carrying debt into retirement—if uh, you've been comfortable with debt hanging around your neck that long—you're probably comfortable adding to it. But like you said, there quality of life—that yeah. idea of retirement that you've built up in your head—if uh, you're carrying around and adding debt in retirement, um, you know that's that's probably not the sipping mojitos on the beach retirement <laughs> that you thought of, or no. playing golf. Who can afford to play golf forty hours a week?
0: Well. It's it's a psychological thing. Maybe you do go play golf, but in the back of your head you're going to be nagged by a little bit of worry, a little bit of anxiety about making sure you have enough money at the end of the month and you don't you don't want to be worrying about that when you're in retirement. That's stuff we worried about in our 20s. Exactly. We want to be done with that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think that all kind of, unless you have anything else to add to that, it all rolls into the third point. Yeah. Um, when we talk about income planning and budgeting in retirement, um, you you better take a look at this before you flip the switch. But really, it, it plays really well after the debt part here because, yeah. and this is the same report, the state of retirement finances. The typical post-tax income for a household in the United States in retirement is $39,591, according to this report. Okay. So, Jason, do you think that the average or the typical spending for a retired household is lower or higher than that number?
0: I would guess that it is higher.
1: I mean, we're talking about adding <laughs> debt, doubling debt in yeah. a year's time. Yeah, the average spending for a household in retirement is 47259 And you might think, well, that's how could that be? There are some things that you probably don't consider, and, and we'll get into that in step four. <laughs> I mean, there's really, this is why you need to take a look and have a budget established we've done a budgeting episode and a balance sheet episode we've beat that dead horse although we probably can't talk about it enough you know this is again this is I think indicative of why people are adding debt in retirement but I I think a lot of people just say when I'm this age I'm going to be done I can't take it anymore and I'm going to have to make it work and if you don't have a plan it's probably not going to work right um so no surprise here. Social security accounts for about 60% of all household income in retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not here to scare anybody, um, but I, I think it, it goes without saying that people are concerned about the longevity of funds backing social security. Yeah. Uh, rightly so. Uh, again, this isn't scare tactics or anything like that, but obviously we are relying on it a lot more than, than what we lead on as a country. Yeah. The average benefit that I, I found was about $1,500 a month, by the way. Um, now this plays into those numbers I talked about earlier. The average monthly spend is thirty nine hundred. Yeah, so there's a big deficit there. So we're
0: saying social security is about sixty six percent. It's fifteen hundred bucks. So let's say that their total income is just under three thousand, and they're spending thirty nine hundred dollars a month.
1: Bingo. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's frightening. Uh, and, and you know, so in the the financial planning world, we're we're taught, and if you do any googling on how much income do I need in retirement it's usually a percentage so rules of thumb it's 75% of your current income to 80% of your current income is what you'll need mm-hmm. as income in retirement and you know a bulk of that will be made up by social security maybe, maybe. depending on how much money you make so <laughs> go ahead and do that math take take 0.75 times your income right now and then take $1500 a month as the average social security amount and let's just see how much that is is helping you out how much that is doing yeah. Um because a lot of these folks I'm guessing that are that are that Social Security makes up a bulk of their income. It's not because that's what they want it to make up.
1: Right. That's just what it does. That's where they ended up. We talk about the numbers. There is a max benefit for Social Security too. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, if you're a high earner, and we've all met high earners, we've had clients who are high earners that spend like they're high earners, yeah. and it's really hard to just change who you are in retirement. Yeah. Even if you're getting the max Social Security benefit, but you're used to doctor money and you're making three hundred thousand dollars a year, Social Security isn't coming anywhere close. To that so if you haven't done a good job of saving outside it's not going to be pretty
0: i think that's a really good point to reiterate caleb because that's something that we see in our in our work all the time with folks is that you're not usually different in retirement no if your plan is to spend whenever you want buy whatever you want finance whatever you want while you're working you're probably going to be that way when you retire. And and on the other hand, we've got clients that yeah. save, save, save while they're saving for retirement. And then they retire and they keep saving. We're like, stop it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're done. <laughs> I, I love those conversations. Uh, it, it's a tough conversation when you have someone who's used to spending and they say, I'll rein it in when I when I retire. And you say, here's the problem. No, you, you don't usually change who <laughs> you are just because you retire. But like you said, and, and we're we're very fortunate with the clients that we have. I would say more often than not, the the people that we're serving, um, they're those savers and penny pinchers. And they say it's okay, it's okay. I'm going to have fun and enjoy retirement. And I just laugh mm-hmm. and say, hey, look, we're going to be okay. Um, I in fact, I challenge you to spend through this. Like you, you just sp- savers don't turn into spenders because. All of a sudden, they're retired. That's right. Um, however, uh, it does make it a lot easier, um, you know, when those when you go to a fixed income, um, you know, to if you've been budgeting all your life and you've been living within your means all your life, you are going to make that work in retirement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we kind of alluded to um, reasons for uh, spending outweighing the the typical post tax income. What do you think, Jason? Is the probably biggest Wild card that people don't really think about. They think about it, they know, but don't account for it when they do financial income or financial planning and income planning.
0: I guess that it's probably the next of our bullet points. It is healthcare spending.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people plan to spend thousands of dollars a year, but what you've seen in our uh, our financial planning software, we have a a number built in.
0: Yeah. The rate of inflation on, on healthcare expenses is crazy and it has been crazy for the last 20 years. And Extrapolating that and and projecting it forward, that yields very frightening numbers uh, of the amount of money that you will need to Mm -hmm. spend on health care. Tens
1: of thousands of dollars a year. Can I share a statistic? Uh, Please do. I I keep track of this number um, because it's something I always bring up to folks when we talk about retirement planning. If if we're close, if we're in that red zone and years ago, the number has gone up. $50,000 $50,000 since I've looked at it, since I started <laughs> looking at it. But, you know, the average 65-year-old couple can expect to spend about $300,000 mm-hmm. um, on health care over the course of their retirement. Yeah. That's out of pocket. That's not total. That's what they are likely mm-hmm. to spend. That's a big number. You, you know, a lot of people. Those are folks their,
0: that are on Medicare.
1: Yeah. like <laughs> you know, a, a lot of people look at their 401k and they go, I, I'm going to retire and I don't even have $300,000 in my 401k. How am I going to make this work? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a big one that, that can blindside you. Um, you know, and I think that some things that I had written down here that, um, you know, when we start looking at this, remember these are things to do before we're retired, not to try to figure out once we're retired. We want to be proactive and not reactive Medicare enrollment and doing things the right way. You've helped a lot of folks enroll in Medicare. It's very, um, it's very intimidating. Mm Um, tell me a little bit, I mean, you know, for the, listening crowd out there. <laughs> well, there, I mean, there's a few things to watch out
0: for. There, If you do it wrong, you could be penalized for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there are uh, Medicare taxes to watch out for that you, you may accidentally go over the threshold for income and incur Medicare taxes when you didn't need to do that. Um, it's, it's a little bit confusing, the system is. Uh, I don't know if it'll get better, but we've helped folks sign up for Medicare right through uh, the government's website and it's not that scary um, you have options of using traditional Medicare versus u- using an advantage plan. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks have found they were used to staying in network at their current job and maybe a Medicare Advantage plan through uh, Medicare's website works out well for them because it actually ends up being a lot cheaper. Um but a lot of a lot of folks don't like staying in network or the possibility of having to, to spend a bunch bunch extra. There's those kinds of things to to look out for yeah. with Medicare, um, and then figuring out what prescription drug plan you want, and if you need to buy a supplement, and you you probably do, and not if you get an advantage plan, but uh, which supplement plan to buy, and uh, it, it is a little bit confusing. Uh, but you can get walked through that. But the difference, the difference between doing it the right way and you know just getting whatever or the premium plan can, can mean thousands and thousands of dollars difference uh, in retirement. Really, the best things to do in preparing for this is looking into seeing if you can save in a health savings account, yeah, uh, or just saving for retirement on your own uh, with an IRA or your four hundred one k or whatever. But if you can stockpile money, these healthcare expenses are gonna happen, yeah, and they're gonna happen more frequently the older you get. That's just the nature it of the beast.
1: Just makes sense. Uh,
0: so that those are some ways you can plan. I, actually, a big a big problem is for those folks that retire before Medicare. I think we'll talk about that a little
1: bit too. Yeah. Uh, well. So I, we don't want to paint a super bleak picture here, right? <laughs> We're talking about things that you got to watch out for. And, it's going to and, and, be awful. <laughs> and you we can't also retire. There's there certain things that we we tend to do here a lot on the podcast. But uh, you brought up those Medicare Advantage plans, which I, I think that helping clients sit down and enroll in Medicare and show them their options that's been really really helpful because, like you said, they're used to to being in network all the time anyway. These Advantage plans, uh, really, for a lot of folks come at very little cost if you're working with an insurance agent you might hear yeah but you're you're stuck to only these you know these doctors and this network and mm-hmm. you know that that's what you would expect to hear from someone who's selling insurance because if you sign up through medicare and use one of the advantage plans guess who doesn't get a commission it's not all bad and and i think that a lot of folks have in their head i'm going to 65 because that's when i have to go until uh, i can get uh, medicare we've helped a lot of people say uh, hey look you know based on our debt situation, based on the things that we want to do now while we're younger. And let's say maybe it's spending time with certain loved ones. Maybe it's helping a parent or something like that, or a spouse maybe who has health issues, and they want to retire and spend more time with family or, or doing something else. The only thing that really is keeping them uh, at their job is, well, I got to wait till 65 mm-hmm. when I can go on Medicare. We've helped a lot of folks just you know look at their, their options and uh, some of the alternatives and say, hey, you know what? We could retire four years early. Mm-hmm. Do we have to make up for it for, for the next few years? Yeah, but we can do that. Mm-hmm. So it's not all bleak. You know, this is something that you just, you got to work with qualified folks who can help you put all the pieces uh, of the puzzle together. You touched on HSAs. We... Uh, I think we always liked HSAs. We love them more and more even uh, than we used to. (laughs) That's huge because of the tax savings that you get there, really. If you're in this position and you're looking at that $300,000 number that you're expected to spend in retirement, it's definitely something that you ought to be looking into. So... Do you have anything else on healthcare, Jason? Other than we know it's expensive. Yeah, ju- you just make
0: sure that you know that it's going to happen. You're going to have to budget for that. That is the main expense you're going to have in retirement, aside from fun. Hopefully.
1: Yeah, there's no excuse for being surprised by healthcare expense, right, in retirement. And
0: but there are options out there for uh, getting good good healthcare coverage before reti- full retirement age or Medicare age. Um, so don't be scared of that. There are plenty of people retiring well before 65 and there, there are options. There's Cobra, there's uh healthcare sharing ministries. There's the uh, healthcare exchange. You can find something that works as long as you know, uh, what you're going to do when you retire and you got a budget and, uh, you don't have any debt. <laughs> it all works we together. We can figure it out.
1: It all works together. Um, so we, you know, we're going into the fifth thing here, and again, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are five things you really got to have hammered down. Uh, the last one, uh, I guess you don't have to have completely nailed down before you <laughs> retire, but it's a good idea. Uh, that would be estate planning. So, yeah. I, and and you know what goes along with estate planning? Well, there's a lot of things that go along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things you have to have figured out is: is it a priority to pass money on when you retire? Is it a priority to be charitable when you're retired? Uh, things like that. So not just, you know, do we have a trust set up if we need one? Do we have our will in order and our medical power of attorney and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I-, I lump all that into the estate planning type of stuff. But I-, I think having an idea of what you want to do with your money when you're gone is, is really important to, to kind of have a game plan for that, too.
0: Yeah, there's no excuse for not having a will. That's the basic basis of or that's the most basic thing you can do to have an estate plan. you're gonna die you should get a will So especially far. when you're close to retirement age I'm guessing you have some assets mm-hmm. and you should be a responsible adult and make sure that the world knows what you want to have happen to those when you die.
1: yeah uh, how it, many times have we seen someone in their 80s pass away with none of this stuff in order and you think, were they surprised by this? I yeah. mean, there again, no excuse for not having this stuff nailed down. So far, Father Time is undefeated. <laughs> so it's going to happen. It's best to get your ducks in a row. But yeah. honestly, when we look at other things like budgeting and income planning, having the estate planning mindset ahead of time helps figure out too, well, how much do you need to live off of? How much income can we can we derive from these assets if you know, let's say leaving a hundred thousand dollars to each of my kids is a priority, also, right. or you know, leaving money to a scholarship fund or something like that, or your church, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever it may be. And, and this is where, gosh, we could do we could do multiple episodes on estate planning and things like yeah. that. But, you know, maybe you've got a few kids and a, and, you know, most of them are OK and they're doing well financially and you've got one who's not. Are you going to be supporting them in retirement? That's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> you you know, the, this day and age, yeah. it's not uncommon to see retired folks still supporting their kids in some way or another. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can't let the estate planning stuff sneak up on you. It's there's no excuse for people our age. There's certainly no excuse for someone who is in that retirement red zone. Yeah, but it really does. Um, you know, I think that's part of it goes along with what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? What's your purpose in retirement? Right.
0: People don't do it because it's hard to think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's especially hard to deal with your own mortality. I get that. But it's it's tough it's but you you're if you're planning retirement that's why we included this in here it's you always need to have an estate plan like if you get married you that's you need to update your will and your estate plan if you have kids you need to update your estate plan if you have you know a death in the family if you have new life in the family ever you need Mm -hmm. to you need to be updating it throughout life but at this acute moment of financial pain not pain trauma no uh Positive. significance significance <laughs> this enormous momentous event it is How a life transition. event yeah this is a big one yeah that's why uh getting your estate plan in order is in this section you need to look at all of that you need to you need to make a plan for what happens to your money if you're not around anymore and you know there's plenty of great professionals that will help you with that
1: Jason, I think we could probably do some more rum time retirement episodes and get more in depth on each of these and and then even more. But we talked about a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Hopefully it primes the pump for folks. Why don't we go ahead and kind of distill it down here for our listeners and and hit some of the bullet points we talked about today?
0: Yes. These are the distilled bullet points.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Number one, most retirees fret about monthly finances. This surprised the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. Most people don't go into retirement thinking that they're going to worry about this stuff anymore. So, now is the time to get this stuff figured out.
0: Number 2. The numbers show that most retirees are underprepared. Kind of not really a surprise there? No, I we've seen <laughs> that obviously in this job, but it's it, it it's a it's sobering. Like yeah. you don't want to be one of the statistics. It's more than half are in some sort of financial dire straits when they retire. And we didn't even get into the average amount that people have saved. It's low.
1: Yeah. Um, Actually, uh, same report I looked at. It's about a third of what's recommended. The average saved for retirement is about a third of what's recommended. Goodness. As a country, (laughs) we're scoring about a 33% on the test here. We are not great.
0: We are cruising for more federal assistance. (laughs) Yes, we Uh. are. Number three, debt is the enemy
1: in retirement. It's bad. It's bad, bad, awful bad. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's it's going to screw things up, man. It's a big iceberg, <laughs> if you will. It's it's a lot to work around. Uh it's not ideal. It's one of the first things that I think needs to be looked at uh if you plan on having that retirement of your dreams and being effective when it comes to retiring with purpose. Great, Caleb. What can people do right now to make sure they get on the right track? Yeah, some some calls to action here. The first thing I'm going to say and you know, I'm going to talk to myself here a little bit because I have a tendency to wing it sometimes don't try to wing it you have to plan there's no getting around this it's like we talked about in the budgeting episodes and the balance sheet episode you just got to do it Um, you have to know the numbers otherwise you can't know the numbers yeah and and don't wing it start dreaming like start with the fun part
0: yeah like imagine the awesomeness that you're going to encounter the stuff that you want to do dream big if you're married do it with your spouse (laughs) Dream, dream, that
1: is. Dream, Dream yeah. with your spouse. <laughs> well, that too, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. No, I, I agree. That makes the painful stuff, the things you have to do, the action items, a little bit better when you have purpose behind it. Yeah. So the next point I'm going to say is get aggressive now. Get a plan. Implement the plan today. And it doesn't matter where you're at in these steps. There's work to be done. If you have debt, there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. If your retirement accounts are not fully funded, there's work to be done. Yeah. If you're checking all those boxes, but your HSA isn't funded. There's work to be done. Let's get on it.
0: Yeah, get going.
1: The third one is really just to, and and this could be the first thing. Again, this isn't something that has to be at age 55 when you're knocking on the door for retirement. I'm going to challenge our listeners to recalibrate their thinking about retirement. Retirement is not a death sentence. Uh, it looks vastly different for the majority of people than it did 10 years ago, or however long, 10, 12 years ago when we got into the business, Jason. Retire with purpose if you're going to retire. Otherwise, I I don't think it's worth it. You have eternity to be retired. <laughs> <laughs> I like what
0: Jason Bernal in our office says. He hates the, ter- the term retirement plan or retirement at all, mm-hmm. which is hard when we're trying to tell people what we do. We help people retire, uh, but... He was trying to change it to rewirement. It's not retirement. It's rewirement.
1: <laughs> I You're like changing
0: that. your attitudes. Did about he come money. up with that? I think he might have gotten it from a client.
1: That's fantastic.
0: But it is wonderful. So yeah, this is recalibrating your thinking. it's it's rewirement, not retirement. Let's think about what we're going to do, how we're going to change to do it.
1: Well, if that's not enough, folks, give us a call and I'm sure we can give you some more homework <laughs> and some more things to work on. Uh, if you've got this all knocked out, congratulations, retire with purpose. Jason, good show. I had a lot of fun. Good mojitos, good rum retirement episode or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> retirement rum time. <laughs> but now it's time for questions
0: straight up.
1: All right. So a question came in from Michelle. And uh, so this is a good question to have. It's a good problem to have. (laughs) Michelle says we're about two and a half years away from paying off our mortgage if we add $1,000 to our payment monthly. Should we do that or should we invest the thousand dollars, Jason?
0: This is a great question, and it's something that we debate a lot, because we hate debt, but we like investing and saving, Yeah, and there's something called time value of money.
1: It's going to be some controversy in this one maybe.
0: It is. So the mathematical answer is probably, you're probably going to be further ahead if you invest that money, uh, rather than uh, put it towards the house. Now, there's some of the follow-up questions that I'd have, like what, what investment options do you have available to you? Are you going to put this into a non-qualified account, or are you going to be able to use Roth IRAs or a 457 or uh, you know the, and some other employer-sponsored plan. So some of that could change the answer. But mm-hmm. what this really comes down to is what do you value most? Do you value being debt-free more than having thousands of dollars more in retirement, possibly, over your retirement horizon? And what I come down to is there's a possibility that the investing does not get you further ahead, though it's not a very large possibility. There is no possibility that you're going to be mad that you paid your house off in two and a half years. Yeah. It just, it doesn't work that way in my experience. You're going to have your house paid off. You're going to be like, good.
1: There's a psychological aspect to it. We've said it in episodes before. There's something to be said about a young person walking around knowing they don't owe anybody any money. And if I can add to this, I would say, if you're in your 30s, you know what? I see it. I, I, I really, mm-hmm. I, I while I could do the spreadsheets and the math, and I have, and I've been accused of being a, uh, what was the term I was called? Uh, witch doctor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. If you're in your 30s and that's the last thing to pay off, that's awesome. Now, I, I guess I, I would maybe say if, if you're closer to retirement and you're underfunded in your retirement accounts and things like that, uh, well, I guess the conversation could be a little different. Yeah. But giving up a couple years in your 30s, probably not the worst thing in the world.
0: Nah, Michelle,
1: pay the house off. You're going to love it. (laughs) Cool. I'm in agreement for whatever that's worth. (laughs) Worth a lot. Seven. It's worth seven. All right, time for your feedback. Jason, did anything come into the speakeasy this week? Yes. Our new Instagram follower, Christina, says...
0: I just listened to the budgeting episode, and I am feeling convicted.
1: Aw. I hope it was good. Good. Yeah, I hope good. I I think it was good. Whatever you, you know, as long as you decide to do something with that, then great. Yes. Christina, thank you very much for listening. (laughs) It was great to see you at the Jazz Festival. Yes, it was. All right. Well, fun show, Uh, but it's that time. Uh, thanks for having a drink with us this week, folks. It's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group, that's Blue com, and produced by Podesterry Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb. Cheers! Cheers.
0: Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless otherwise specifically cited.